Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, thank you to the praise team today. Hey, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15. And so it's going to be a long time before I read that scripture. So just mark your spot and hold on. I'm kind of finishing with that passage, Luke chapter 15. And I'll throw some Bible verses up on the screen uh, before that. Here's what I want to do today. I want to preach on this subject, uh, the mission. This month is um, the hundred an 85th year of Peavine Baptist Church. We were started somewhere in October of 1836. And I've enjoyed reading, Ronnie Hazelrig has put together years ago a history of our church and I've been reading through it this week, uh, skipping and jumping in it. And um, I'm going to go back and read it uh, from cover to cover here pretty soon. But the, we lost a lot of the records uh, early on, but we do pick up some records in the 1800s. And so what I want to do today is I want to take this opportunity. I'm, I'm going to really start doing it every October. I'm going to take this opportunity just to remind us why we exist. And so I want to preach on the mission today. Not that God has just given the whole church, but that God has given Peavine Church as well. 1836, not too many years ago, just a couple of years ago, when we were the 52nd fastest growing church in America, I was invited out to speak in Colorado at the gathering of the 100 fastest growing churches in America. And they asked, I don't know, a half a dozen of us or so to speak. And I was one of the ones they asked to speak. And, and I got up, and as far as, and told about 1836, as far as I know, we were the oldest church represented in the fastest growing churches in America. You rarely see a church that is 185 years old still on mission for Jesus. But that's what we are, and that's what I want to talk about today. I went back in the, uh, I don't know how well you can see these, but I went back. That is a photo from the church in 1897. Denny's over here in the left somewhere. I'm not sure. That's uh, uh, a joke. That's a joke, Denny. Uh, 1897. Hey, but a lot, of, a lot of last names that you will, would be familiar with if you've been in our church for a minute, Potts and Trundle and, and others that were here in the beginning. This is the church in 1930. And my goodness, how it's changed from 1930 until today. So I want to talk about Peavine for a moment, and I want to, I want to make sure we understand we, we appreciate the heritage we have, but we don't live in the past. We live in the mission, in the present that God has given us. And so um, I want to, it's a good time for us to remind, rewind and just remind us why we're here. Now, some of you are here. Um, when I came in 2017 as the pastor, uh, one of the first things we did was started talking about our values. We're gospel focused, city focused, and Sunday focused. Uh, there'll be a sermon coming up on that uh, next year. But uh, it was a couple years after that I preached about 
what I really felt like God had laid on my heart to be our mission. And it all centers around the number one. And so that's what I want to talk about today. So Luke chapter 15, if you have your Bibles. And so you, you won't recognize this man I put up on the screen, 1904, William Borden, who, whose parents became wealthy through silver mining in Colorado. A lot of people confuse him with the Borden Dairy Estate, but it's a different set of Bordens. But he graduated from high school as a millionaire. His parents had already given him millions of dollars by the time he graduated from high school. And his parents gave him a trip around the world. And while traveling through Asia, the Middle East, and Europe, uh, God gave Borden a burden for the world's hurting people. And so he wrote back home to his parents and he said, I'm going pre- to give my life to prepare for the mission field. And when he made that decision, he wrote these two words in the back of his Bible, no reserves. A millionaire at, at a high school, but he's going to give his life to the mission field. And so he wrote, wrote no reserves. He went to Yale University, and after he was graduating, he turned down high-paying job offers, and he wrote two more words in his Bible. Not no reserves, but no retreats. He completed his studies at Princeton Seminary, and he got on a ship and sailed to China to work with Muslims on the mission field. But he stopped in Egypt for some preparation to get ready to go to China. And while he was in Egypt, he was struck with cerebral meningitis and he died within a month. And in his Bible, underneath the words, no reserves, no retreats, he had written two more words, no regrets. No reserves, no retreats. No regrets. A man who died just shortly out of seminary while preparing for the mission field, who could have spent his life safely in America uh, as a millionaire from the time he was born to the time he died, died uh, preparing for the mission field, but yet had written in his Bible, no reserves, no retreats. And how could a man like that write no regrets? What a testimony that we all wish we could have such a powerful witness because William Borden stepped into eternity and he heard the words that Paul wanted to hear where he would have been able to say to Jesus, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. A man who was in his twenties who had yet to even make it to the mission field could write in his Bible, no regrets. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith that was given to me. Now we tend to have this understanding That if we think we will impact massive numbers of people, then we can say, hear those words when we get to heaven, that we've fought a good fight, that we've kept the uh, faith, that we've finished the race. But that's not the way the kingdom of God operates. Everybody in front of the line in heaven is not going to be Billy Grahams of the world who affected millions and masses of people. As a matter of fact, many of the people in the front of the line will be people who have impacted just one. Can I tell you, when you read the Bible, one is God's favorite number. When you read the Bible, you understand that one is really what the church should be about. That our primary number should be the number 
one. One's a funny number, right? One's a funny number. So it depends on what you're talking about on whether it's a good number or not. So, for example, what place did you finish in the race? If you say number one, that's good, right? But if I ask you, uh, how many fingers do you have? One is not a really good answer to that question, right? If I ask you this question, how many times have you won the lottery? One is a good number. But if I ask you this question, how many dollars are in your bank account? One is not such a great number. Well, what if I ask you this? How many donuts did you eat? One is an acceptable answer to that, but this is not acceptable. How many donuts do you have left? One is not a good answer, right? Or, or this question, how many games did Tennessee win? I don't know how that got in there. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's obviously more than one. I don't know how that happened. Somebody, I'll, I'll get on to Sherry for that. I'm sorry. Uh, but one, you understand, one's a funny mu- number. One is all a matter of uh, perspective. In God's economy, you would really wonder how much one really matters, right? There are billions of stars and millions of light years and billions of people and an eternity of time, but the big numbers go on and on in God's kingdom, but it's the number one that really matters. And I'm going to tell you, if you're new to Peavine, here's what you need to know. One is the number that we're all about. We pray for the one, we program for the one, we constantly think about the one, and the fact is, we build our whole mission around the one. Peavine is all about the one. So I'm just going to take a few minutes this morning, and I want to remind you, as kind of a good reset for our church, to remind us why we're here, why we do what we do, and why the number one is so important to us. Let me tell you four things this morning that we try to be. Number one, we want to be one church. One church. The first thing I want us to hear is that we'll never be all we ought to be until we are dedicated to be in one church. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, and I say unto you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Well, notice Jesus didn't say, I'll build my churches. He said, I'll build my church that Jesus is about building a church. Now, we take that same principle and we understand that, that sometimes God's talking about the global church, but most of the time God's talking about the local church. And God, we know from the book of Acts, intends for us to be one unified church. What does that mean? Well, one didn't mean one church in location when he said that even in Matthew 16. This doesn't mean one church in location, like the church was going to scatter all over the world. It doesn't even mean one church in location for our church at Peavine. We have two locations today. We're, well, three. We're here at Rock Spring. Rossville is watching us just now. And then there are hundreds or uh, uh, over a thousand people who are watching us online this morning. That's three different campuses. So we are not uh, one church in one location. We are not one church in our preferences. We are not one church in how we look. There are some things, though, we do have to be in agreement about, right? We, we would agree that we have to agree on some things. There are certain tenets of doctrine and theology that have, we have to agree on, like, like how a person can be saved. We can't all have different opinions on salvation. You can't have somebody in our church saying Jesus is the only way and somebody in our church saying Jesus is a good way. You can't have somebody in our church saying it's salvation by grace alone and somebody else who believes that salvation is is by grace 
plus something else. That's not how it operates. We assume, we believe, you affirm when you join this church, you believe that salvation occurs through Jesus and Jesus alone. There are essentials of the faith that we have to believe in. There are things about Jesus that we all have to agree on. There are tenets of theology, for example, that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he was a sinless man when he lived on earth, that he died and he rose again three days later in body and ascended to heaven like those are the things we have to agree on those are the tenets of theology that we have to be one but can I tell you this those are never the things that a church fights over right I've never ever ever and I have been in Baptist world at a national level at a state level and at a local level I've never seen a church fight and split over theology churches fight over the silliest thing preferences churches that do not do anything and do not reach anyone and just check Sundays off the list and make no impact in their community can't be one church because everyone is concerned about getting their own way so we want our way when it comes to Music, we want our way when it comes to decorations. We want our way when it comes to programs. But hear this statement this morning. Hear this statement. No church can be one church if the whole church is intent on getting their way. No church can be one church if the whole church is intent on getting their way. Like you do know, right? You know this, right? You can't make everybody happy. Say amen right there. You know that, right? You say, preacher, I'm not concerned about making everybody happy. I'm just concerned about making me happy. Right? But you'll never be one church that way. There's no way that we can orchestrate, program, build a church so that everybody is getting their way on everything. You don't believe me? Have you ever tried to order pizza for your whole family? Have you, have you ever tried to order pizza? In my family, it's an impossibility. We all like different things. There's a restaurant in Chatsworth called Little Rome. Has anybody ever eaten at Little Rome before? Little Rome has some of the best pizza, and they have something called an empire pizza. And basically, an empire pizza is just everything they have in the kitchen piled up on top of a, of a crust. It is awesome it's like a garden with anchovies and meat and stuff just piled as high as it can get and it is incredibly fattening and it'll put tons of weight on you but it is worth every single bite unless of course you don't like everything on top of a pizza and then let's just take a survey how many of you like everything in the kitchen on top of a pizza let me see your hand very very few how many of you are fine with just pepperoni and cheese let me let me see your hand all right. How many of you want anchovies on a pizza? Let me, let me see your hand. A couple. How many of you want, let's see, how many, of you, how many of you don't like red sauce? Let me see your hand. So I got one of the people in my family that will, does not like red sauce. How do, you, how do you order a pizza without red sauce on it? I don't even think it's called a pizza without it, but we have to do it somehow. And you call and they're like, no, you don't want what on it? The red sauce. We don't want it. Well, what do you want instead? Olive oil, oil is fine. Uh, okay. And so, so, look, if we ordered a pizza, it would be the, if we tried to order one pizza for everybody, you know what it would be? Crust. <laughs> it would be crust. 
And then Sherry and I wouldn't be happy because we like every single thing piled on top of our pizza. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. If, if you. if you can't order a pizza and make everybody happy, let me see you try to pastor a church. Because we can't make everybody happy. And I want to blow your mind this morning and let you know my job as pastor is not to make everybody happy. Because everybody wants their way. And by the way, I'm not mad at you for it. You want your way? Guess what? I want my way. But everybody else wants their way too. And they can't understand. Here's the problem we get into in church. Everybody wants their way. And they can't understand that there might be some people who want it the complete opposite way of their way. Right? We have people to go to the sound room tell Denny, turn it down. Then two minutes later, you got somebody going to the sound room telling Denny, turn it up. You got people who go to Josh and, and who are like, you know what, we ought to sing more of these type of songs. And then you got somebody go to Josh and say, you know what, we ought to sing, I don't like those songs you're we ought to sing something else. I got people tell me how to preach. I got people tell us how to do everything in this church. But you know what, if I make you happy, I made somebody else unhappy. You say, preacher, where does that leave us? It leaves us very confused sometimes. And the truth is, there's very little of that at Peavine. But the reason I preach this sermon is it needs to stay that way. Why? Because we cannot let our preferences get in the way of what God would have us to do. You say, well, preacher, now I'm confused. How do we be one church if nobody's going to get their way? Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 33. He said, I, try, I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what's best for me. Hear what Paul said, I don't just do what is best for me. Say it with me, I don't just do what is best for me. Well then Paul, what are you doing? He said, I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. Wait a minute, who is Paul doing what's best for? Paul is not doing what's best for people who are in the church. Paul is doing what's best. For the people who are not in the church. Why? Because Paul said the most important thing we can do is to do what's best so that other people can be saved. Their job as a church is not to uh, make everybody happy with our preferences. Because I'm going to tell you, we, if we can't agree on pizza, and by the way, we can't even agree on what sports team to follow, Right? Some of you like Tennessee, it befuddles me, but you do, and some of you liked Alabama until last night. You know, save people like Georgia, I mean, it's just the way it works. But here's what Paul would say, hear me, here's what Paul would say. Paul said about himself, I don't have any preference, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but this is what he was saying, I don't have any preference that's worth somebody dying and going to hell over. Preacher, if it comes between me getting my way or doing what's best, trying to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you do what's best to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a member, you have to know that's our guiding principle. I want to tell you this, if you're a guest looking for a church, you need to know that. 
Don't think that you're going to come in and be like, well, I bet if I have a real good conversation with them, they'll change what they do. Everything we do here, there is reasoning and, and examples and empirical evidence behind what we're trying to do. Because why? We have a goal, and that goal is to be one church, but we're never going to be one church even in location. We're never going to be one church even in our preferences. Look, can I just say this? A church of 25 can't be one church in its preferences let alone a church of 2,500. There's, there's a good chance if you have more than three people in your family that y'all don't agree on everything the way it ought to be done. I'll go home this afternoon and there will be southern gospel music blaring in my bedroom when I walk in because my wife's been having a one-person concert all morning getting ready for church. Now, you may love southern gospel. I, I, I'm not mad at it at all. But it's not my favorite music. I'm mad at it. I'm an 80s rock child. Here, here's the way I used to describe my wife. Y'all, anybody ever watch Donnie Marie Osmond? Y'all remember Donnie Marie's Osmond? What did they always say about each other? We, we got to go see them in Las Vegas, and here's what they said about each other. Remember this? I think it was Donnie Marie Osmond, wasn't it? She's a little bit country, right? And he's a little bit what? That's my home. That's my home. She's a little bit country. She's Loretta Lynn, Dolly Parton. I'm Def Leppard, ZZ Top. It's just the way we are. It's just the way we are. We, we couldn't agree. We couldn't agree. The two of us couldn't agree. You say, preacher, that's pretty discouraging. No, it's liberating. It's liberating because none of us are here, including me, to get our way. Well, then what are we going to rally around? I'm so glad you ask. Because we can't rally around preferences. We're going to rally around one mission. You know, the Bible's always had one mission for the church jesus made that plain matthew he said this and jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth go ye therefore make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe all things i've commanded you and lo i'm with you always even at the end of the age look at the very last thing jesus said to the church go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them It'll look what he said in acts 1 8 but you shall receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you shall be set with me witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We were given one mission when Jesus left. The mission of the church has always been one thing. Jesus' mission was one thing. Jesus said, I came not called the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. The last thing Jesus spoke of, the first thing on his heart was the church of Jesus Christ ought to be busy telling the world that Jesus saved. That was always meant to be contextualized by every church. Meaning the command he left in Acts 1-8 was specifically for the church at Jerusalem. But what does that look like at Pevine? God's not commanded us to reach Jerusalem. How do we contextualize Matthew 28, Acts 1-8 for our church? And here's what we believe. After much years of prayer, we believe that our mission is reaching every person in Pevine City with the gospel. Write this statement down next to Matthew 28. You meander without a mission. We're not in the business of meandering. 
It's the difference between a Sunday afternoon drive and a NASCAR race. One thing is meant to accomplish nothing. One is an intense mission. And I'm going to tell you, as a church here at Peavine, we are in a NASCAR race, not a Sunday afternoon drive. Jesus was on a mission. Why? Because time is short. The gospel is the only thing that saves. And we are to be busy about the business that the Savior left us to do. That is our mission. You say, but preacher, reaching every person in Peavine City with the gospel, let me ask you, who do you want to leave out? And you say, well, I've never heard of Peavine City. It's a 20-mile radius of our Rock Spring campus right here 20 mile radius of our rock spring campus that's our mission that's our vision that's what god has called us to reach that's the reason we believe we are here as a church by the way that's what's going to separate us if you've been a member of a church somewhere else before this is what this is what will separate us probably from most churches you've been associated with in your life is we are not here to check Sundays off the list and just tell you, give you the best experience you can be. Now listen, we don't believe in doing anything halfway. We're trying to give you the best experience we can give you on Sunday. We're intensely Sunday focused because we know Sundays matter and every Sunday somebody's one day like we, we, we're very Sunday focused. But listen, if all I'm trying to do is give you a better emotional or spiritual high than last week, that thing's going to escalate and I'm going to wind up somewhere that I can't go anywhere else. Does that make sense? That's not what we're about. This one statement, reaching every person in Peavine City with the gospel, is our mission statement. It's why we meet and it's how we become one church. We are not unified behind our preferences, but behind our mission. As long as heaven and hell are a reality, as long as eternity exists, We cannot afford to get hung up on the peripherals of a group of people who meet. We've got to stay focused on our mission because there are people who are lost and die and go to hell within earshot of this church this morning. We'll be one church only as we can rally around one mission. Reaching every person in Peavine City with the gospel. Well, people say you have to have a goal, so we put up a goal of one percent so if our mission is every person in Peavine City what does that look like there are approximately in Peavine City 497,000 people and around 50 percent of them have no church affiliation whatsoever like they don't even claim a church don't even claim to go to church don't even claim to be associated with the church but when you dig into the data uh, others claim a church but it's a dotted line so for example Peavine has about 2,500 people who come regularly we don't average 2,500 we have 25 you know churches come in shifts and so we have about 2,500 and that's not counting online uh, people either and so you add that in and we're, we're, we're growing even more and more but about 2,500 people who come in shifts. There are probably 5,000 people in the community. If you say, where do you go to church? They'll say, Peavine. They've never been here, but they drive by by us every now and then, and so that's what they would tell somebody. It is a dotted line. Or their grandmother went to church here, or their father went to church here, or they got a cousin who goes to church here. 
but it's a dotted line. So 50% of people in Peavine City, 50% of this number, a quarter of a million people of this number don't go to church anywhere. But don't think that a quarter of a million are in church. There's, if you added up the attendance of every church in Peavine City, it would be nowhere near a quarter of a million people today. Nowhere near. It's a dotted line. So bottom line is there are hundreds of thousands of people in our ministry area that are lost, hear me, far from God and on their way to hell. Now, I don't know about you, that's a staggering number to me. We live in what's called the Bible Belt. The majority of the people in our area are lost without Jesus, and we're in the middle of the Bible Belt. So when we begin to pray through, God, what kind of impact do you want us to make? We arrived at the number 1%. What if we could move the needle 1%. That's 4,970 people. What if we could move the needle 1%? I couldn't ask for less. It's hard to pray for God. God, give me a quarter of a percent of people saved. But I couldn't quite grasp more. What would it look like if we reached 4,970 people? So that's the challenge I lay before you today as a church. Can we be one church with one mission in order to reach 1%. I want to challenge you to do two things today. One, would you give 1% of your day, that's about 15 minutes a day, praying for Peavine City? We've got these new wristbands up here. We're going to set them out during the invitation in a moment. They're, they're a little skinnier than normal. We just did a little something different. We have three different sizes for you. And I wear this every day uh, until it breaks and I grab another one. And here's what I want you to do. Every time you look down and wear that every day of your life and every time you look down and see it, would you whisper a prayer for your church to reach 1% of Peavine City? Would you spend 15 minutes a day? Maybe you want to spend 15 minutes a day early in the morning praying for your church. Maybe you want to spend it 15 minutes a day before you go to bed at night. Maybe you want to spend it at lunch. Or maybe you want to do it throughout the whole day, which is what I typically do. I pray for Peavine in the morning, and I pray for it all day long as I see that band. And I ask God, God, help me remember today to pray for Peavine City. Every time I see that, let me whisper a prayer to help us fulfill our mission in reaching 1% of Peavine City with the gospel. So that's my, that's my plea to you this morning. Would you, would you pray with us give us one percent of your day and then we're asking you to give one percent more to help us reach the one percent we we did we started this before the pandemic and then when the pandemic came we kind of called it off and some of you faithfully gave to the offering even though we kind of shut it down during the pandemic and it enabled us to pay off the debt and we're debt free and by the way uh lord willing tyler and i are going tomorrow uh, to Florida to give away the first $25,000 check that you're giving away. And uh, it's a horrific story. And we'll come back and show you the video in a couple of weeks. But we're going to interview somebody tomorrow and give them a check that they don't know is coming their way. So we're really excited about that, to give that away for the first time. And so we're asking you now, would you give one extra percent? Just one extra percent. Not, not, to, the, not to general tithes and offerings. Don't take it out of your tithes and offerings. But one more percent. And here's what we're asking you to do. There's a special drop-down box. When you give online, you can select 1% 
and just give that 1% in additional. There are envelopes in the pews. Just give 1%. You say, what is 1% going to do? Well, here's what we know. We can't build a campus here or have enough services here to run 5,000 people. And so what we're wanting to do is start campuses all over our area. Our staff believes we know where the next one is going. And so we want to go start a campus, and we're taking all that money from the 1% and we're putting it in a fund because we know it took us about $300,000 to launch the Rossville campus. And so we've kind of got that figure in our mind going forward, be spent differently, but we've got that figure in mind. And so we need to build that fund up as much as we can so we can go launch a campus and build up again and go launch another campus. And we're wanting to launch one as soon as what we can. And our ask is, we want you to help us reach 1% of our area. Will you give 1% of your day to prayer? Would you give one extra percent or whatever you may can give to help us do that? We need everyone involved. Jeremy and I have been teaching C4 on Wednesday nights. When we have multiple campus locations, I know sometimes you look at our church and you think, man, there's nothing for me to do there. You have got to be kidding me. We need musicians everywhere. We need children's workers everywhere. We need youth workers. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. We need it here. We need it multiple services. We need it in multiple locations. We need people everywhere. I want to tell you this morning, if you're looking for a church, hear me, this is not the place to sit and soak. I think I preached for about five minutes and didn't take a breath. No, we're collecting like-minded people who want to reach the world for Christ and make a difference with their lives. So finally, how are we going to reach 1%? We're going to do it one person at a time. Look in your Bibles at Luke chapter 15. And look at verse number 1. And all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him, and the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the ninety and nine in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and coming home, he calls his friend and neighbors together saying to them, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need repentance. Here's what Jesus said. It was more important to leave the 99 and chase down and hunt down the one than it is to stay with the 99 who are already safe and in the fold. The language couldn't be greater, more plain. One is greater than 99 in God's math, in God's economy. Heaven rejoices over one soul being saved that one person could be your neighbor that one person could be your friend your parents your child your grandchild your co-worker the kid you see at the grocery store every week listen which one of those do you want to leave behind which one of those do you want to die and go to hell i, I know your answer none of them one matters Go out of your way to reach your one. Go out of your way to invite your one. 
be inconvenienced to pray for your one, to bless your one, to agonize over your one, to be inconvenienced for your one. Heaven and hell are for eternity. Your one matters. When you reach your one, write another one down. When you reach your one, you may have two or three written down. Just mark one off, go to the next. Mark one off, go to the next. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 15. He said, here's the parable. Get out of these walls. Get out of the church walls. Get out of the fold. And go hunt down your one. Because one matters. Stand with me. Close your Bibles and stand with me. I don't, I don't have a picture of this family. This is not a preacher story. It was in the news. And uh, I saw someone put it up. Uh, a news website reminisced about this that happened. It was a hot summer in 1965. And a four-year-old named Roger, his parents had taken him to Salem, Massachusetts, to the beach. He was having a great time building sandcastle, watching the waves, enjoying the sunshine, all that. At one point, there was a drop-off on one of the hills, and he wandered down into the water at four years old, but Roger didn't know how to swim, and so he found himself into the water and was drowning. His parents had just taken their eyes off of him for a moment. Now they couldn't find him. Roger tried to scream out, but he, when he did, he sucked water into his lungs, and he was just literally seconds away from drowning. When an arm reached down and grabbed him, pulled him out of the water, and carried him to shore. Roger's parents were frantic. They knew they'd lost him. They didn't know he was in the water. They'd been looking for him. The woman who found him was named Alice Blaze, and she had saved four-year-old Roger's life. Now, fast forward nine years later. Roger's now on the same beach with his parents. They put him in swimming lessons, and he was a very good swimmer. And as he started to lay down on his towel, he heard a cry for help. And he looked out into the water, and he saw two arms waving way out in the deep water. A man who was fighting for his life. Roger grabbed a raft and paddled out to the man. And when the man had almost drowned, he reached down his hand and pulled him back up on the raft and pushed the raft back to shore. The man's last name he saved was Blaze. It was his wife, Alice, who had saved Roger nine years ago. Did one matter? Alice saved the boy who became a teen who saved her husband nine years apart. One life changed, turned around, and then changed a life. That's the power of one. If you reach one person, you have no idea the impact it can make for this church, for your life, or for the kingdom of God. So here's our ask today. Will you help us be one church? We may not agree on everything, but we are going to agree on the 
main thing. Can we just all live comfortably in the space that we know we're all not going to agree on everything? I'm okay with that. Well, what are we going to agree on, preacher? How about our one mission? Reaching every person in Peavine City with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's set our goal, renew our goal at 1%, 497,000 people in Peavine City. And listen to me, they all need Jesus. Well, how are we going to do that? That's a big number. I know. Let's just do it one person at a time. As we all leave these walls and leave the comfort of our fold and we go out and reach our one. One church, one mission, one percent, one person at a time. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that incredible message. We are one church with one mission, reaching 1%, one person at a time, because the truth is one matters. And um, so this morning for you, how are you doing in helping accomplish the mission that God has called all of us to, uh, which is to share the good news of the gospel with those that we come in contact with who may be far from God? Maybe you're watching this morning and you're that one that matters. And the truth is, you do matter. And um, if you've never started a relationship with Jesus, it begins with you understanding that you're a sinner. We're all sinners. Our sin separates us from God. God wasn't willing to be separated from us, though. And that's why He sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins. We've got to be willing to admit that we're sinners. We've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross that he was buried dead in a tomb, and on the third day, he rose again, conquering sin, death, and hell, because Jesus knew that you matter. And you've got to confess him as the Lord and Savior of your life. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, If we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths, we will be saved. Verse 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be be saved. And maybe you've never given your heart and life to Christ this morning. Uh, this morning, um, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. God, this morning I'm asking for your forgiveness for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. Right now, I ask you to come into my heart through your Holy Spirit. Take away my sin. Be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time, I want to tell you, welcome to the family. We want to connect with you. We want you to know that you're not on this faith journey with, with uh, alone, all by yourself. And we want to send you a book in the mail. We want to put some information in your hands. And we want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. Hey, it has been awesome to be together this morning. I'm thankful for our time together each week, and I can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening. <music>